0: So, um, let's, let's start with prayer, shall we? Lord, you are good, and your mercy is forever. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercy, your care for us. And I pray that you'd be with us as we uh, speak today about your word, what you do, and how you do it. For we ask this in your precious name, Sopran Jesus. Amen. 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 I was wondering if you guys could help me a bit. Um, you know, one of the people or the groups of people that I work with a lot of African-Americans. And one of the best ways that they make people feel comfortable is to be able to have a call and response. So the call and response is very easy. It's, you know, God is good. And then the response is all the time. Then I'll say all the time, God is good. Are we ready? God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good, all the time. and all the time, God is good, God is good. All the time. and all the time, God is good. amen. So that's one of the things that's important, is being able to share and speak it out. When you can speak out what God is doing in your life, it massages your soul. It helps you to realize that that's where you are, that's where God is in your life. So what we're going to try to do today is is uh, a lot. We're going to have fun, first of all. And the first thing that we're going to try to do is look at five instances in the life and work and ministry of Jesus. And we're going to match those up with what is, what we call the systems map of homelessness. And that's how people get in, how do people you know, find themselves experiencing homelessness, how it is that they are trapped in that experience, and then how they are going to be able to help to, to get out. So our first passage that we looked at this morning was Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 23. So I want you to keep your Bible open if you can, or in the Bible app. That's my new, uh, my new thing. I, it seemed like uh, you cannot not, uh, teach an old dog new tricks. So I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> So, one of the things, you um, have to bear with me too, is I'm not really good with uh, lots of uh, technological devices, but here goes. I wanted to share with you how people get in to um, experiencing homelessness. Anyone can find themselves homeless. It's very simple. So one of the things that's important is to look at what everyone has. And that's the five life dynamics that we all have. And it can be utilized with a simple acronym, which is called BLESS. So it's body, labor, emotions, social, and spiritual. Now, what you can do in any way is you can make that work for someone very easy. When you say you're going to pray for someone, that's where you can pray for them. But particularly with people who are experiencing homelessness, what you really need to think about is how to listen. A lot of times, these are people who have been yelled at, have been uh, cursed. They have been told that they're wrong. They have been told that they're no good. They've been told that no one thinks that they have anything worthwhile. There are people that condemn them. There are people that tell them that they should just go out and get a job. There are people that really don't have anything to be able to listen to them because they've already judged them. So your work, and I heard that you uh, had some work in Haiti as well, is to listen. When we listen, that's when we know what God is doing in our heart and our life. When we listen, we're able to pick up the clues that are in people's hearts. So uh, let me go over that again. When it's your physical body, then when you're talking with someone and you're listening, you can make mental notes as to what's happening in their life. You can start to listen and key on some things. If they start to say, well, you know, I really have this pain in my knee. Click. There you go. I can think about when I'm going to pray, I'm going to particularly pray for that pain in that knee. If it's a person's labor, their work, maybe they're having struggles at their job, and they may say, you know, I really have a hard time. There's a lot of people that gossip. Click. That means I can pray for them as they start to work on that that issue. And it goes right down the the list of that acronym, which is BLESS. So let me give you an example of uh, how that happened in the life of living waters. there's a guy there uh, by the name of John. And John is the easiest guy to talk to because he knows what's happening in his life and he just wants to, to give it out. I don't have to do much in talking back with him because he's going through his mental list of how he's doing in his body, how he's doing in his work, how he's doing in his emotions. And it's my job to listen. That's what we all have. We have that ability to listen and respond well without an agenda. I don't have an agenda with John. What I have with John is the ability to say, I'm hearing you and I can see what's going on in your life. And I really want, I'm with you as you struggle. And he has some struggles. But that connection means that we are friends in what God is doing and how he's going to do it in our hearts and lives. So when our life dynamics are, um, are, are okay and uh, that's when things feel balanced, you have this in your church, you have this in your community, you have this with anybody that you talk to that you can, are able to listen to them and to share. So when they are okay or you're okay, you feel like life is going pretty well. But then when any of those five areas start to have some fluctuation, then we have that very technical term of not okay. And so when you have that not okay moment, that's the time to really think, God, what are you going to do to change that, that, that type of thing? The, the reason I chose the, uh, the uh, young ruler, rich young ruler it's called, is because he thinks he has life by the tail. He's doing all the right things. He was told to do something. He did it. You know, I honor my mother and father. Bang, I did that. I was able to, um, I was able to keep the, the, the tithes and offerings. Bang, I did that. But what Jesus does, as he always does, he works on multiple levels. And just through that man's reaction, he then said, here, I'll tell you what's really going to have the ability for you to, to celebrate eternal life is to behave a uh, change in your direction. And that direction is to be able to hear God in your heart. And the way to do that is to not be so involved with money, but to think about giving it all away to those that are poor. Now, does he tell us to do that ourselves? Sometimes no, but sometimes he does. So it's important to kind of have that relationship with Jesus. And that's what helps us to know that he is preeminent in our relationships and our life here on earth. And we are subjugated to what he is telling us. Because he's our Lord, he's our Savior, he's our Master. So when we have this technical start of being okay or not okay, what happens? You know, sometimes what will happen is people start to have some issues or some problems in their life. And so what we call this is defining events, right? That you may have someone that you know that has lost their job. You may have someone that you know is going through marital problems. You may have someone who's just had the death in a family. And what that does is sometimes as you're trying to connect, you have some resources that can help, but there are times that you don't have resources as well. So there are times that you're there to listen, but if you don't have the resource to help someone who's going through addiction, let's say, then it's important to research that out and find someone that would be able to help in that specialized way so that you're the one who's connecting and helping them to get through that issue. A lot of people that we um, encounter at Living Waters have substance abuse and um, alcohol addiction. And what happens sometimes is that people have judged them and they've said, well, you know, they just, they don't want to get well. The vast majority of the people that I see really would love to shake the addiction. They don't know how, and they don't sometimes have the, the ability to do it simply because they feel like they can't. And so what they need is a person that comes alongside them and helps them to be able to think, what is the best way to get out of this, this particular issue of addiction? Let me tell you about my friend. I'll call her Shelly. So Shelly came, she's uh, probably in her 20s, and she started to have uh, major problems with drugs. So she went to a a detox uh, drug treatment center. And after many tries, I think there was after three, she finally saw herself to be clean. And so she really was trying hard on her sobriety. She was trying to do all those things not to, to take drugs again. And what happened is, as she came, her life started to get better where we were at Living Water. She, she, was, she was doing much better. And she would hear the word, and it was just like a bomb into her soul. You could see how it was really live in her. And so what happened is that she came in on this one particular Friday... And she was overjoyed. She had a mission where she was going to go out and, and she was going to help. There was a new center that was developing. She was going to help to do that. She was going to work with people in addictions. That was Friday. And then Monday, she took some heroin and she had relapsed and she died. And so what happens sometimes is that we, we sometimes forget that it is a struggle that is not easy to overcome, that there are people that we know that have these struggles day in, day out, and sometimes you think you've got it by the tail, but you don't, and so it was sad to be able to see that happen and the loss that that brought into her sister's life and all the others that knew her, but the fact is, it's something that happens And we need to be able to be connected with people. So if you come across someone who's struggling with these things and you don't know what to do, you always have someone that comes as a support to you. So if you could turn in your Bible real quick um, to John chapter 4, uh, verses 13 through 17. And using my handy-dandy little Bible gateway thing. I'm very excited about that. Um, Although this wanted me to go to Gentle Dental. I don't know what that's all about, but we'll go. So it's John chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Now these are all stories that you know. But it's important that we look at them again. So what uh, is recorded here, it said, so Jesus had come to the well, and there's a woman from Samaria who is there, who's coming at the well at about noontime. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. So, you know, when you look at that passage, what's happening there is that when in Middle Eastern culture, when you were to get water, you would come early in the morning because you'd have the rest of your day to be there, <clears throat> to do all the work. And so what would happen is that you would probably, the people that were there, these women that would, they would kibitz, right? And they would talk and they would cheer back and forth. Notice the timing of when this lady comes to the well. She comes at noon. That's the heat of the day, and it's really when nobody else is around. Sometimes we have ache in our life that we don't want people to know. Sometimes there's a a thing that comes on us that says, I'll I'll be able to do this struggle, and I'll get, get out of it myself. When the fact is, is we need others to help pull us out of that way. You see this so much when a person has lost someone who has died. And there is a window that opens up into their soul where they are open to what God is doing and that they want something to change completely in their life spiritually. And so when you get to that point, it's a very short window, it's very small, but if you can start to share with people at that point that's when real significant change happens in their life. This woman who was coming to the well, significant change happened in her life because Jesus listened to her. And it's always quite comical when uh, when I go through the entire uh, um, account of what happened because it just seems like this lady is one of those snarky people, right? So she's one of these people that has an answer for everything, right? And so when Jesus says, you know, uh, call your husband, she goes, well, I don't have, I I don't have a husband, you know. And so basically, you know, and then he says, yeah, well, you had five. And that shocks her to the core. When people know you, then that tells you something in here that there is a connection. And so it goes on. She starts to uh, ask some theological questions. But what that whole encounter did is it changed her to be able to tell others to say, this man changed my life. Sometimes you you see life changed in in people with their relationship with God. And you see it when they are are open to God working in there to be able to help them. For, For example, when someone dies... You don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And really, the only thing that you provide sometimes is presence. Just a presence to be there. I am with you. We all have this, this need to have people involved in our life. He tells us only two things to do in this world. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. That is simple to say... Very hard to do, and what it means is putting yourself in a place where you can be used by God. I, I don't, uh, I don't like to swim, uh, and so I'm I'm one of those people that, you know, we go to the uh, the pool, and I love the shallow end. You know, and I, you know, I have my, I have feet. You know, my feet on the concrete. It sounds good and everything, and it's like God keeps on telling me. Come out to the deeper water. That's what he says to you too. That the deeper water is sometimes a little bit dangerous, but it's also a little bit more fun. And it means that I depend on him more than depending on myself. The people that you meet or talk to on the street, you provide a buoyancy for them in their life. And so by by listening to them, adding that trust, establishing where they are, then you're able to see really good things happen because they trust you enough to share that there's a problem and there's an issue. So what happens usually is people will, if they don't, if they're trying to deal with this problem alone and they're starting to run into issues, they really start to become what we call either street-involved So sometimes they lose their housing, and they become street-involved. Sometimes they just uh, don't lose their housing but are still street-involved. What do I mean by that? Street-involved means is my life is consumed by the street. It's consumed by a culture that says, I can do what's good for me in myself. It's survival of the fittest. And so what happens is that there are so many people that I know ...that fall into what we call the pit. So this pit is a place where it's a survival mentality for people to just live. And as they live in this survival mentality, they really don't trust anybody. It's hard to be able to get them to see anything... ...because they're trying to just live for today... And so this is where you get all those stories of scamming and all those stories of assault and all those stories of uh, people that are harming others is when people fall into this condition, they don't know what to do. They're stuck. Let me give you an example. My friend Lenny, uh, he, he was a carpenter. He's a great guy. And so what happened is he started to use some drugs and he got hooked onto drugs. He started to use drugs at work. And then what happened is he lost his job and subsequently lost his relationship with his wife, lost everything and found himself in the shelter. And what he did there is he was stuck. He would just stare. He said he would just stare out sometimes and not know what was next and what to do. He felt like there was nothing ever going to be better. He was just locked into this place that he would never be able to get out. And the fact is, is that there's a lot of us, in that slide it says the substitute support systems, that we come and we say, oh, let me help you with food. Let me help you with a place to live. Let me help you with this. And sometimes that carries an agenda that's with it. And though it's really not, uh, it's not understandable by some of us, but when there are people who are paid to be at one of these substitute support systems, like maybe um, some people that are working from a hospital or some people that's working out a shelter, that there's a tendency sometimes to distrust those people, not because they do anything bad, but it just seems like they have an agenda. And so the people in this pit will sometimes feel, oh, my goodness. You know, these people only have a job because of my misfortune. And so that's why it's really important to really show that when you talk with somebody, you don't have an agenda. God is the one who does the changing in a person's life. It isn't you. What you are is used by God to be able to be in a place where he can be able to help you share some of the things that he's working with you about. So the fact is, is that sometimes that we can get stuck. People that we know can get stuck. And that's what what occurs that really makes it hard for people to move forward. Let me give you an example from the Word. If you look at John chapter 5... And verses 1 through 9. We find the example of someone who is stuck. Okay. And it has decided to do that, so that's good. And then we'll go here. There we go. Nope. So, this is the account. Uh, This is the healing at the pool. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is covered or surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Imagine this picture, if you will. There is a man who has been paralyzed for 38 years. So that means that he goes every day to this, this place. Every day he's hoping for this miraculous occurrence to happen that somehow that what was described is the waters would stir, and that meant that an angel was there, and the first one into the pool would get healed. So after 38 years of seeing it never work, did he show up the next day? Of course he did. He keeps on showing up because somehow he's stuck in the thinking that this is the only way that I can get well. That somehow that I'm going to get well if I have this plan to get pushed into the pool. But imagine that for a moment, that there's a person who's so stuck that he can't see how he's ever going to get better, because really, who's gonna push him in the pool? And does it, what's gonna happen when he gets in the pool? If he's paralyzed, how's he gonna swim? There's all of these different things that, for him, he thought, if I just continue to do this for 38 years, it'll work. Jesus always gives us alternatives. And what he does is he says that I am here for, your, for the best that you can be. He is here to be able to heal. He is here to be able to change things. Now, does he always miraculously heal? No. But sometimes we have to understand what is God doing in that situation? Instead of asking the question, why is it in he healing... Maybe ask, what, we, what does he have us to learn? You know, I've heard a lot of people, we talk about, you know, COVID-19. And I hear a lot of people say, you know, I, why is this happening to us? The better question might be, what do we learn from this? What is God trying to tell us? So just when people are, are stuck, they really need a pathway out. And the only way that you get a pathway out is in a relationship with another person that is helping you to be able to see that God is in control. So in this pathway out, that you have all sorts of things that can happen, and especially you run into people that may um, be struggling. And so as, as they're struggling, what they need is someone like you to come through and to help them to be able to share what's the best way to kind of move forward. And one of these people in particular that, is, that Jesus met like this is Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus had probably you know one of the most despised reputations of people during that era. He was a tax collector, right? And so as a tax collector, he not only would get money for himself, he would also uh, pay the Roman government, which was hated, by the way, but he also would take more taxes in, and nobody knew how much he actually had. So he was becoming richer and richer. But then he was kind of stuck in that where people looked at him and saw that he's not someone that we care for, not someone that we like, Someone to be, you know, feared, to not even get near. But what happens? Jesus walks by, Zacchaeus wants to see him, and Jesus says, come down out of the tree, because I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. And so what happens is that he needed, Zacchaeus needed someone to come alongside of him to be able to help him to do what he really needed to do. So we all know the story that when he got into, uh, at at the dinner, he said, Jesus, if there's anyone that I've defrauded, I'll pay them four times back or five times back of how much I've defrauded them. Change had happened in his life because he had seen that there was something different. There was people that were, were caring for him now when this whole apostle band was with him. We have the same thing happen, you know, for for many of us, is that we need that connection. We need connection with people, especially when things go haywire. There's a, uh, a friend of mine, his name is Harry, and uh, a couple of months ago, he came into the center, and he, was, he, he had to tell someone what had happened. And he had been on the operating table for a simple procedure, and he said that when he woke up, the, uh, from the anesthesia, the doctors asked him, are you okay? And he said, well, uh, yeah, I just had a remarkable experience. Well, he said, well, what had happened is that he had virtually died on the table, and he was brought back to life. And so one of the things he wanted to share about is that during that operation, he felt that his, he, he was being lifted and that he was dying and he was going to heaven. And he wanted to share this so much. He wanted to share that he was, you know, he saw his mother and his father. They, they connected. And then when he came back, he felt like he came back into his spirit. He knew, or back into his body, he knew that God wanted him to do something different. And that's when he moved ahead. See, many of us face with people... Can find that they go through a whole structure. They go through a whole problem. That sometimes, if they're trying to get rid of an addiction, that there's a a time for them to be able to say, "I'm going to not drink on uh, May 3rd. I'm going to." Then I, I get to that time, and I'm not going to do it. I have a maintenance with that. But that sometimes there's a relapse that happens. And so what we are called to be is the ones that walk beside that person as they go through that struggle to hear them as they talk, to listen to their struggle, because that's what he's called us to be, is agents of healing, and that healing comes through listening and listening well. So, finally, what happens is we're trying to get people to what we call the new community. Something that is away from being self-centered, only thinking about their own self and their own life, to a place where they're interrelated with other people. They're listening to people who love them, who care for them, that want the best for them. There's a real community. That's what this church is. That is what churches are. There are places where we connect together, we support one another, and we look to see what God has for us and what he's going to do. And so sometimes what happens is that Jesus has to even describe to us what that's like. And he does that in Matthew chapter 18. And he says, if you want to be like a follower of mine, what you should do is you should act like this little child. And he brought a child in front of them, and, and he, he, he said, that is what is going to help you to understand is that if you follow me as a, like a, a little child would follow their parents. You know, uh, unfortunately, my wife isn't here. She's visiting our uh, our grandchildren in St. Louis. Uh, but one of the things I love about my wife Sandy is that she has a childlike faith, not childish, a childlike faith. There is an openness to God that is just evident in everything that she does, and she always has a constant smile on her, on, her, on her face. Because she knows that God is going to see her through. A lot of times, that that is a gift, to have this faith that is like that. But a lot of people that I meet don't have that faith because they feel that life is not going to get back. So they're starting to have some relationships, but they're not sure just how God's going to work with them. I'll give you a a case of uh, my friend Nadine. And so Nadine would come to our center and get, uh, this is down in Boston, she would come and she w- you would get clothes and then you would sit and talk and, you know, you'd pray with them. So Nadine had a really uh, uh, caustic spirit, I call it. And so she came in and I said, well, what can I pray for you for? She says, well, I have a, um, I'm out on the street and I have a storage unit and the storage unit is costing me money. So I don't know whether I should keep the storage unit or whether I should um, I I should be able to uh, just sell everything that I have. So she said, can you pray about that? So I prayed and I I thought it was a standard, you know, prayer. God, if you uh, want her to be able to, you know, release these things and uh, give them to people, that's great. But, Lord, if you want her to pay for that, then maybe that would be able to be good, and uh, maybe she would be able to see ways that this would happen. We ended the prayer. She looked at me, and she said, that is the worst prayer I've ever heard in my life. Because it didn't give her the handle that she wants. Sometimes we want direct um, slaps up of the head that God is saying, do this now. And the fact is, is that sometimes... He wants us to discern what it is to do that and to be able to walk in faith and obedience that he is going to lead us to a better place. That's what he's called us to do. You know, the the thing is, is that we can get to a place where we're trying to tell people that this is what you should do to move normally in, in your life. But the fact is, is that God is the one who does it. We're not the Messiah. We're not the Savior. Jesus is. But what he asks us to be is that agent that listens and listens to what is being said so that we'll be able to see what God wants us to do in a situation like that. Does he usually tell us exactly what to do? Probably not. Usually what he wants us is to have such a relationship with him that we are constantly coming to him and asking him, What's the best thing to do? So what's that all mean? It means that we have this system that is there. And I've given you five examples of ways that God would be able to use you in any of those things. To, To lead you to be a good listener. To lead you to be a good researcher. To lead you to be a good friend. That's what God wants of us, is to be able to open our lives to do that. Now, I'm not here to bring guilt. What I'm here to tell you is that there is a wonderful reward for doing that. And that reward is a friendship that is deeper with some of the best people I've ever met in my life. People that care for for who I am and care for my life. And that's what God sometimes puts you in that relationship for so that you can be that church community. You can be that community. We've actually changed what we are at Living Waters. We're not a drop-in center. What we are is a community of faith. And so what we want is people to come and see that it doesn't matter if I'm experiencing homelessness. It doesn't matter if, if, I, if I'm uh, having a job. It matters that we're together. Now, there's all sorts of excuses that, I, I'll, I'll tell you, are readily easy to not do it. Sometimes you may not know what to do. Sometimes you might feel like, you know, i got no time. You might think, you know, I, just, I don't have the abilities to be able to walk through it. The fact is, all of those are true. But the issue is, is doing what God wants you to do. The more that you put yourself into a place where you can hear his small, still voice. And what he does to me is he whispers it. And the only way that I can hear it is if I still my soul and start to listen for it there. Because there's a cacophony of sound that's all over the place, but the fact is is that sometimes he, he listens straight into my soul. So one of the things that I just encourage you to think about today is that God is in your life. When you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is there. The Holy Spirit is present in you. And the good news is He'll never leave you alone. The bad news is He'll never leave you alone. Because what will happen is God will look into your life, utilize your gifting, and cause you to do the things that He wants you to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this people. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that you lead us, direct us, and guide us in everything that we do. Father, I just pray that you would be the one to connect with us on an individual, intimate basis, that we would know you, we would hear you, and we would walk in accordance to your will. So we ask this in your precious name, in the name of Jesus, amen.